1: Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Well, welcome back to Killer Queens. Yeah. Or welcome for the first time, you know, we don't want to forget you. And if you're new here, this is the true crime podcast for 90s lovers. (laughs) Would you say? I would say so, yeah. I think that sums it up quite well. Yeah, we throw in a a little early 2000s, but mostly we stick to the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. All right. So today we are going to be covering the case of Holly Bobo, Mm -hmm. which is a local case for us. And a lot of people have been like, why in the F have you not covered Holly Bobo? And I'm like, you know what? I I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. But now nobody has to ask anymore because we're doing it. Today we rectify that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before we do, we do just want to remind you or tell you again for the first time that we have a Patreon. And should you hate ads or love content, Patreon's the place to be. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. It's for ad haters and content lovers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No ads over there, not on any of our episodes. And we do three episodes a week. One where we cover docu series, so it's literally us talking through the documentary. You don't even have to watch it. Mm-mm, we got you. you. Should, but yeah, yeah, we got you. Which is especially helpful, I feel like, for when we did like "Don't Fuck with Cats." Oh god, because some people just can't watch that. That's a tough one. So then you don't have to. I mean, you know, we can breeze right past those like videos that you don't need to see or hear. Yeah, exactly. We will watch them upwards of three times for you. So, you mm-hmm. don't have to watch them no times. Exactly. We take on that pain for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we do a mixtape every week, and that's just a whole other case. So, you get our regular case on the weekend, you get another case midweek, and then you get our docuseries on Friday, all ad free, three episodes a week. I'm oh, a God. I love it. So, again, I feel like if we had a little jingle for it, it'd be like, you want three shows? We got your shows. We got your shows. You want <laughs> Yeah, we're still, that commercial is in the works. Yeah. Just giving you a little musical snack there. Exactly. And I guess that's it. Yeah, without further ado. Enough of the business. So uh, thank you to Heather Manning, Alex Lewis, and Jennifer Maples Maxwell for requesting the case officially using the form. A lot of other people have asked about it, but we keep track on the form there. Mm -hmm. And thank you to Madison for researching and writing the case. Yay, we love you guys so much. Yes, thank you. All right, so in the early morning hours of Wednesday, April 13th, 2011, 20-year-old Holly Bobo was sitting at her kitchen table studying for a nursing test that she had that day. She said goodbye to her mother and father as they left for work. Around 7.40 a.m., Holly's older brother, Clint, was awakened by their dog barking. He heard voices coming from the carport behind their home. And through the blinds, he could see his sister Holly kneeling on the ground facing a man in camo, and they were arguing. Then they got up and began walking into the woods. Clint called his mother, who told him to grab a gun and shoot the man. The two disappeared behind the trees, and Holly was never seen alive again. Her remains were later found in the woods, leaving Holly's family and the small, close-knit community, wondering who would have murdered the promising young nursing student and why. Hmm. This is just such a wild case, like for a lot of reasons, but the way that she was abducted, considering her brother was home and just Mm -hmm. the circumstances that made it all seem like this is a, you know, like, yeah, it didn't alarm him. It's just right. Exactly. Yeah. It is very strange, but we'll get into that. Yes, we will. We will. Holly Lynn Bobo was born on October 12th, 1990, to Karen and Dana Bobo. She had a brother, Clint, who was five years older than her, and the family lived in Darden, Tennessee, in Decatur County, which is just about an hour and a half west of Nashville. Karen Bobo said that Holly and Clint were raised in a Christian household that was full of love and laughter. In school, Holly was known as a hard worker and a great student. She was never in trouble and wouldn't even share her work with her friends telling them that it wasn't fair. She sounds like somebody that we would have hung out with. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's so sweet. I know. Also, I remember Decatur County mm-hmm. because they always got out for snow days. Uh yeah. Always. Every single time Decatur was on that list. And Decatur was like, and God. Robertson County. Yes. Always. Yes. Yeah. Like, come on, Rutherford. Come on, Rutherford. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's just not fair. She had one of the highest graduating GPAs at her high school, Scotts Hill High. And Holly had a beautiful voice and loved to sing gospel at her church, Corinth Baptist on Sundays. Her cousin, Whitney Duncan, went on to become a country singer and said that she loved helping Holly with her voice. Holly's classmates said that she had a sweet smile and was always determined. Corinth's pastor, Don Frank, said that Holly was a bright presence at their church. She was very instrumental in inspiring others, especially in the field of music. She was very talented. She really did have a great voice. Yes, she did. It always amazes me how many people have the gift of singing not just singing at church and stuff like that, but like at our church, I'm like, every one of y'all should have a record deal. Mm -hmm. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. And I think too, I mean, at church typically, because I've been to some churches, I've sat next to or behind some people that (sighs) God gave them a voice and may God a bless you. Joyful. Noise. <laughs> if it did not sound, I know. Didn't God sound, didn't say it had to be beautiful. No, we did not. Just to share it with the world. Yeah. So just because you can doesn't mean you should. We get that uh, note a lot for the podcast. I <laughs> sure um, do. That would also cover my singing as well. <laughs> I don't know. I know two little boys that think that you are a great singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Holly's favorite colors were pink and blue and she was known as a mama's girl. She and her mother were incredibly close and could finish each other's with Sandwiches! I almost said <laughs> sentences. In my mind, I was thinking sandwiches. I was saying sandwiches too. Yeah, I'm sure they finished both. Yeah. Holly had just recently received a promise ring from her longtime boyfriend, Drew Scott. She was in nursing school at the University of Tennessee at Martin Parsons Center and couldn't wait to start her career as a nurse and spend her life with Drew. Those who knew her saw her as a wonderful role model and someone who gave everything she could to the people around her. A former classmate of Holly's said she loved everyone. She saw the best in people and was a friend to all. She showed genuine love to her friends and even strangers. She taught everyone to laugh and have fun. She was not afraid to sing and dance. Those are qualities that came easily to her and seeing the way that she could light up a room with them made me want to work on improving those qualities within myself. And we talk about it all the time that It's like the brightest lights that get snuffed out. Awful. Let's get to the day of Holly's disappearance. So this is Wednesday, April 13th, 2011. Holly woke up around 4.30 a.m. She's not messing around. Mm -mm. She'd been studying throughout the past few days for a test that she was having that day. She woke up extra early to get a few more hours of studying in before heading to her college campus for her exam. That was scheduled for 8 a.m., Holly's father, Dana, saw Holly and spoke to her before leaving for work at a tree service. Her mother, Karen, packed Holly's lunch for her, kissed her, and said goodbye before leaving to go teach second grade at Scotts Hill Elementary. Karen remembered that Holly was sitting at the kitchen table studying and texting one of her classmates about the exam. And at this point, nothing appears out of the ordinary. You know, this is a normal morning. Holly's getting up, she's getting ready for school, they're going to work, everything's fine. At 7.30 a.m., Drew, Holly's boyfriend, called her cell phone. Drew was turkey hunting on Holly's grandmother's land, and another relative confronted Drew, not recognizing him. So Drew explained to the relative that he was Holly's boyfriend, he had permission to be hunting, and then he called afterwards to let Holly know what had happened. After the phone call, Holly gathered her belongings and walked out to the attached carport to get in her black Ford Mustang to head to school. At 7.40 a.m., Clint Bobo wakes up when he hears the family's dog barking. Torella, go ahead and say what you think he was I thinking. know. <laughs> he is just trying to get some, some shut-eye. It's 7.40 in the morning, and if I know a Southern man who gets woken up by his dogs, he's probably like, God dang it, dogs, what are barking at? Like, I just <laughs> imagine that, like, you know. Yes, totally. <laughs> or Southern woman, because that's how I... Too. But he gets up and he's trying to figure out, you know, what in the world are these dogs barking at? And he hears voices coming from the carport behind the house and he heard a male and a female voice, but he couldn't make out what they were saying. He obviously recognizes the female's voice as Holly's, it's his sister. Through the blinds, he could see two figures in the shadows. They're both kneeling down and facing each other. One of the figures is his sister, and the other is a male dressed in camouflage. So his first assumption is, well, this is Drew. Like, he's going to be hunting today. Obviously, he's going to be in camouflage. He hears his sister say no, why? When he looks again, he sees the pair walking away from the yard and into the woods. He immediately called his mother and asked, why is Holly going off into the woods with Drew? Karen, knowing that Drew was not at the house, couldn't be at the house, that he was out Turkey hunting told Clint, That's not Drew. You grab a gun and you go shoot him. And Clint's like, Wait, you want me to shoot Drew? Like, and you also have to remember, I think he's just woken up. Mm -hmm. He's literally just now getting out of a sleep. Like, he thinks this is Drew. every time.
0: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Karen
1: hangs up. She calls 911. Unfortunately, the 911 call went to the wrong county. And that Madison made a good note here because I almost was about to flip out. She said, I assumed she was teaching in another county and her cell phone automatically put her in touch with the county that she was teaching in. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense because I was going to be like, are you, are you serious right now? But She was able to get in touch with the right county and she quickly rushed home after calling her husband. So Clint gets dressed, he grabs a gun and he walks outside. He saw some drops of blood in the garage, but he couldn't see Holly or the man she was with. He later described the man he saw Holly with as about 5'10, 200 pounds with dark hair and holding a dark object in his hand. Police arrived on scene soon after and began searching the area. It wasn't long before half the county was out looking for Holly. They had search dogs. They had people on horseback, four-wheelers walking. They had helicopters looking for her. They were looking for anything out of the ordinary. And in that area, that's going to be tough. I mean, there's they walked into the woods. It's tree-lined, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's just tough. So police start with interviewing the neighbors, hoping somebody might have seen or heard something. James Barnes lived next door to the Bobo's, about 750 feet away from their property. At 7.50 a.m., he heard screaming coming from the Bobo property. The female voice stopped screaming and then said, stop, I said, stop. When Barnes's girlfriend came out, they drove to the end of the Bobo driveway to see if they could see or hear anything. They didn't hear anything else and continued driving. Barnes said he called his mother and had her call Karen Bobo. Another neighbor, John Babb, owned property near the Bobo home. And that morning, he was going fishing and arrived at the lake around 7.30 a.m. These are early risers. Yes, they are. I mean, I would be awake already too, but I certainly wouldn't already like be where I'm going. Unless you were fishing. Early bird, you know what I'm saying? Well, that's true. Unless you're gonna nitty gritty dart band fish in the dark. True, true, true. Yeah, then you'd be just getting home. <laughs> he reported hearing a screech or squall coming from the directions of the Bobo's house. He said it sounded similar to cats fighting. God, yeah, that's that a rough. horrible noise. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to get into how I feel about cats. Just <laughs> whether or not you love cats, them fighting is a bad noise. It is bad. He also saw a white truck speeding down Swan Johnson Road, the road that he and the Bobos lived on. Police contacted AT&T to have them track Holly's phone, and for about an hour and a half, her phone traveled all throughout Decatur County. It went from her home through the woods up to Interstate 40 and then back south by a different route. And by 8:30 to 9 a.m. it had stopped moving completely. It was quickly and widely believed that the man who abducted Holly was familiar with the area and her habits. Clint was questioned just after his sister disappeared. They checked his body for scratches or any signs of a physical altercation, but found nothing. They searched his phone and computer and polygraphed him twice. Clint was cleared of suspicion. Throughout the next weeks, signs of Holly were found scattered along the country roads, her homework, notebooks, lunchbox, cell phone, SIM card, and her underwear. Having joined the search and the investigation, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, TBI, Lead agent on the case, Terry Dykus, had zeroed in on who he thought was responsible for Holly's disappearance, a local sex offender named Terry Britt. Britt lived close to the Bobo's home and close to where some of Holly's belongings had been found. Britt spent a good majority of his life in prison for kidnapping and rape. He had a type of woman he preferred, pretty girls with blonde hair and blue eyes. He also matched Clint's description of who he saw walking with Holly into the woods. Britt provided police with his alibi. He said that he was buying a bathtub with his wife at a salvage yard. However, the store that he and his wife had gone to had no record of the sale happening. There are many different records or reports of the validity of Britt's alibi, with some people saying that police were able to find a handwritten receipt later on for the bathtub in Britt's safe. I've seen that in a few places, but I don't know who it was handwritten by. Yeah. Handwritten one is not really, I mean, anybody could do that. Well, yeah. And is it handwritten by, like, wouldn't it be fairly easy to, could you bring that to the store and be like, did one of y'all write this? Can we compare it to his own writing? Like, mm-hmm. I've not seen specifics about it, just that it was handwritten. Yeah. And is it in their practice to handwrite receipts? No idea, yeah. I mean, those are all questions that we. it would be nice to know. Yeah. yeah, the answer to. But others say that when police went in to question him on the day that Holly was abducted, he was unloading a bathtub from his vehicle with his wife. Despite these possible verifications of Britt's alibi, Agent Dykus still believed that he was behind Holly's disappearance, especially since it was reported that Britt's wife was at work that morning. He supposedly called his wife, telling her to come home from work and to say that she'd been with him all morning. Search warrants were obtained to search Britt's home with cadaver dogs. The dogs alerted to both of his vehicles and several of the tools that were in his backyard. Police seized different things from the house, but no DNA was ever found that connected Britt to Holly. Police wiretapped his phone and put a bug in his home, but never got any information about Holly. During conversations with Dykus, he seemed to fantasize about what Holly's abductor was thinking and what he did with her, which is disgusting. It's horrific. Yeah, he's like, I don't even I don't even know if I can say it out loud. Just the stuff that he was saying, and it was very like, well, you know, he probably wants to do this, and he probably wants to, if he has to keep her alive, then he's, you know, all the stuff. Just like the way that he's playing it out, it's very, yeah. OJ Simpson, if I had done it, but like, yes, very. And he refers to Holly as it, Mm -hmm. you know, not a person, and he's like, you know, what does he want? He wants her body. But then, you know, after the reality sets in, it's like, okay, well, now I've got a body. What do yeah. I do with it? I got to get rid of it. And he talks about, you know, somebody watching her, which is in his history. He has mm-hmm. a history of stalking his victim before he attacks them. He's disgusting. Yeah, it's it's really gross. How he has a wife that would know all of these things about him is just very beyond. Very yucky. Yeah. yeah. Britt continuously denied any involvement with Holly's disappearance. Shortly after, Dykus was taken off of the investigation because his superiors believed he'd developed tunnel vision regarding Britt, thinking he was the only possible suspect in the case. Unfortunately, though the police had thousands of tips, no progress was made in the case until about three years later in 2014. There were several other men that were brought up in the investigation. Police investigated many false claims and tips. However, there were four men whose names were brought up early and often. Brothers, Zach and Dylan Adams and cousins Shane Austin and Jason Autry. These four young men were known around town for their affinity for drug production sales and use as well as just being all around bad guys. Two brothers, Jeffrey and Mark Percy, were arrested and charged with tampering with evidence and accessory after the fact. They had reportedly shown someone a video of a man who looked like Zach Adams, sexually assaulting a woman who looked like Holly Bobo. Both men denied this and no video was ever found. And then the charges were dropped soon after. Police began to re-interview witnesses with fresh eyes and look for different suspects. A man named Victor Dinsmore was interviewed as some of Holly's belongings were found close to his property. Like many, he gave police Zach Adams' name. Zach Adams had reportedly been bragging around town that he'd murdered Holly Bobo. He threatened people that they'd end up in a hole, quote, just like Holly. Dinsmore suggested that police go through Zach's brother, Dylan, to see if they could get any information. He said that Dylan was in special ed and had a low IQ. Police arrested Dylan on gun charges, and it seemed that his friend, a felon, had guns on him, and Dylan was with him. People speculated that this was done simply to get Dylan in the police station, as well as to, quote, have something on Dylan. Police threatened Dylan with 10 years in federal prison for the weapons charges. They did, however, offer him a plea. Rather than go to prison, Dylan was to go live with a retired police officer and Bobo family friend, Dennis Benjamin. Dylan and Benjamin before this had no connection. That's very strange. That is, is that just, are they just strange. hoping that he will talk to this guy, confide in him? I guess. I don't but know. But that's a conflict of interest, wouldn't you say? Well, 100%. Like, it just kind of sounds like a bad made-for-TV movie. It really does. This case does not make me proud of Tennessee's investigative and court proceedings. Like, No. It's I'm like, not looking good for us. Yeah. Tennessee, Nancy, Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) So after five weeks of living with Dylan, Benjamin called police to let them know that he had someone who wanted to confess to the murder of Holly Bobo. Dylan was brought to the police station and confessed to being involved in the kidnapping and murder of Holly. He said that he had been with Holly on the day that she'd been taken, that he sexually assaulted her along with Austin, Autry, and Zach at Zach's house. He initially said that Zach killed her. Then later, he said that Autry did. He later recanted his confession and said that it was coerced. And to me, this situation is very reminiscent of like a Brandon Dassey situation or a Jesse Miss Kelly situation. Yes, I was going to say because the thing is, for me with false confessions, it's like they happen more often or what you see a a common thread with them is big things changing. Uh Uh-huh. Like, how do you get it wrong which person killed her? Right. Yeah, exactly. And sending him to live with somebody and after five weeks, somebody who's a retired police officer and is also a friend of the Bobo family. And then five weeks later, he's like, yeah, he's ready to confess. What'd you do in those five weeks, dude? Exactly. Like, it's like sending him to Robert De Niro's house to Meet the Parents. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And like... not saying that they didn't do this, but I'm saying this doesn't tell me that they did. Yeah, this is not the way you want to find out the truth if it's the truth. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, like we said, Dylan's brought in, you know, he's gotten wrong. Who killed her? Well, and Dylan also has allegedly a very low IQ, just like Brendan Dassey. Mm -hmm. You know, they picked the most vulnerable... Well, and and they even say that. They Mm -hmm. say, we we went for the one that we thought we could break first. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. Like, I understand that you want to, obviously, you're not going to bring in the person that you know for 100% sure is not going to break. But at the same time, talking to somebody, if he does have intellectual disabilities, it's much, much easier to plant information. Well, yeah, that's not a confession. That's bullying someone. Yeah, and don't you want the truth? Like, the goal is supposed to be the truth, not just string somebody up for this. Charlotte, you are such an idiot if you still think that that's the truth. I know, I know, I know. I know. Yeah, it doesn't you sound like what? you know. You're right, I don't know. <laughs> I'm an idiot and I'm your boyfriend. hmm So, uh, you know, he recants this confession. Of course, he says it was coerced. Police decided to bring in the men who were reportedly with Zach and Dylan that day. So that's Shane Austin and Jason Autry. Austin was offered complete immunity if he would tell them everything about Zach's involvement with the murder. I hate that. Mm -hmm. They clearly talk about tunnel vision. Exactly. But like, if you can't prove it with anything other than this dude telling you this information and oh, by the way, you have to offer him complete immunity to get that. Mm -hmm. And you believe he's involved. Yeah. You know what? I think it shows tunnel vision. I think you're right. (laughs) I hadn't thought of that, and I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you hadn't thought of it either. Exactly. Of course, he accepts that. He's like, okay, yeah, sure, that's fine. So he admits that he was involved as well. Both Dylan and Austin's confessions lacked specifics about the crime, even directly going against some of the evidence. Police executed a search warrant on Zach's property where he lived with his grandfather and seized many items but no reports of anything linking him to Holly were released. Throughout these confessions, both Austin and Dylan changed stories multiple times, recanted certain things, and eventually said they weren't involved in Holly's disappearance and murder. And There's a lot of information regarding different stories they reported to police. And they brought cadaver dogs onto Terry Britt's property. Mm -hmm. Those dogs hit on stuff. Multiple places Mm -hmm. on multiple things, yes. Okay, so they're like, well it wasn't Holly. Okay, move on. Who was it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like- Cuz dogs don't hit on dead animals like that. They're trained specifically, right? Right. Yeah, they're not supposed to hit on dead animals. So, yeah, can we do a little more digging there because Terry Brett has a history of kidnapping women. Mhm. And maybe have them. somebody else there? And then maybe he changed his tactic and said, you know what? I'm not going to bury people on my property anymore. Yeah. Or whatever, like whatever it is. But like, why? I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't understand just leaving that be and being like, well, it's not Holly's body. So we'll move on from this. And there's no telling. They might still be investigating because they definitely took all of the places that they hit and processed them and didn't find any DNA evidence. But maybe they're investigating other disappearances or you know, murders and we don't know that that's what they're linking it to. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. But then you get to the Adams property and you don't even get that. You don't get hits from a cadaver dog. You get no evidence that links Holly. You don't get any of her belongings on their property. You get nothing. The only thing that we have is what started this whole thing was Dylan or, excuse me, Zach walking around being like, I killed Holly Bobo. Mm -hmm. Now, is that terrible? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that immoral and just god-awful? Yeah. But does it make him a killer? No. No, it doesn't. And what could be a viable explanation is that he's a meth dealer and he's trying to look fucking tough. Mm -hmm. And he's not really built for Tough, but he's trying to act for Tough. He sure is. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do is you say, well, nobody knows who did that, so I'll say I did it. Exactly. (sighs) And the TBI just went with it and was like, okay, well, that was easy. We got yeah, our killer. Exactly. That was so easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, it boggles my mind that there's not one shred of evidence to back it up. Even the video, they're like, well, we never found the video. People told us about the video. So since we can't find the video, we'll charge somebody with destroying the video. <laughs> but it you don't know the there. video was there. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing to me like what police officers pick and choose as to what is credible evidence and what is not. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes when somebody talks about evidence that they can't find, they're like, well, obviously they're lying. But then sometimes they're like, ooh, yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. Okay, that definitely happened. We're totally going with this. Should we have to a handbook where we like, for basically, a, you know, like, because those two things are not It either was there or it wasn't. And like for you to pick certain things as hearsay and certain things as, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Now I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like, there's so many times that we hear in cases where detectives are like, well, I just had a feeling that wasn't connected. Why? I'm not saying don't trust your gut. I believe in that. Well, but you can't, they they took Dykus off for trusting his gut. hmm Yeah. There are protocols that need to be followed and there are things that need to happen to back that up. You can't convict somebody because of a gut feeling. Yeah, exactly. You can't just be like, oh, we got probable cause. And you also can't convict somebody because of the words of somebody like Jason Autry who I don't trust as far as I can throw him. Well, what does he have to gain right, from pinning it all on Zach? Everything. Because I'm sure what they told him was, if you do this, you will be completely immune. You, nothing will happen to you. If you don't, you're going to go down with everybody. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then, okay, so in March of 2014, Zach Adams is arrested and charged with aggravated kidnapping and first-degree murder of Holly Bobo. About a month later, Jason Autry was arrested on the same charges. Dylan was arrested for tampering with evidence in two counts of rape. He was later charged with aggravated kidnapping and first-degree murder as well. Austin had reportedly been offered immunity for his cooperation in the case and future testimony against the other three. But in 2015, they pulled that immunity offer. (laughs) They said that Austin had lied in many of his statements to police. And because he had lied, immunity was no longer on the table. Shortly after this happened, uh, Austin was found dead in a hotel room of an apparent suicide by hanging. His death occurred before he would have been able to testify against any of the men. So now they've lost their star witness. Mm -hmm. And no shit, he lied. They're making him lie. (laughs) Yeah. That would be like, I don't even know what they could have done to, it It just is so reminiscent. This case is reminiscent of the confession killer. The only thing really that they could have gotten Henry Lee Lucas for, other than the two murders that he definitely committed, was lying. Right. Yeah, lying to police. Yeah. Yeah. In September of 2014, Larry Stone was out hunting for ginseng plants in the woods of northern Decatur County when he described an eerie feeling that made him feel as though he should turn around. When he did, he saw an overturned bucket and a human skull. This skull was later identified as belonging to Holly Bobo. The contents of the bucket have never been released. However, people have speculated that it was more of Holly's remains or tools used to kill her. In addition to the skull being located, police also found several teeth, ribs, and a shoulder blade. The remains were found not far from Holly's home. Karen and Dana were at a mall in Jackson, Tennessee, when they got the call that their daughter's remains had been found. Karen said that she had a feeling before she got the call, the same feeling that she had on the day that her daughter disappeared. There was damage noted to some of the remains, which forensics attributed to animal scavenging. However, there was a noticeable hole in the back of the skull. The forensic team who analyzed the skull said that due to the beveling of the hole, they determined that it was a gunshot wound. However, when questioned in court, experts said that there is really no way to determine whether the gunshot wound was inflicted pre or post-mortem. I mean, so that still doesn't really unfortunately tell us anything, right? I mean, I mean, a wound to the back of the head like that, you could just assume that that's probably what... I feel like in any other case, they would have said she definitely died because of a gunshot to the back of the head. Right. They don't have the other remains and obviously it's all skeletal, but if you find that, I mean, obviously there's not supposed to be a hole there. Right. And I don't know. I mean, it could happen, I guess. Like maybe they strangled her and then shot her after she was already dead, but mm-hmm. they weren't sure or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The trial for Zach Adams began in September of 2017. The defense brought up the TBI's initial suspicions of Terry Britt, as well as the fact that there didn't seem to be any evidence that connected Zach to Holly. There was a pistol found just before the trial began in the drainage ditch that belonged to Shane Austin. However, there's no proof that this was the murder weapon. The prosecution brought forth a witness that they felt strongly implicated Zach as the mastermind behind the kidnapping, rape, and murder of Holly. Jason Autry. Autry was called as a witness and delivered a story that outlined a horrific day. The following is what Autry says happened the day of Holly's disappearance. Autry admitted that his vice was a mix of methamphetamine and morphine. On April 13th, 2011, he had the meth, but he was out of morphine. So he calls Zach Adams and hopes that he can get him some morphine. He said Zach told him that he could and that he needed his help with something. So Autry arrived at his cousin Shane Austin's house and saw all three men there. Zach was standing by his truck. Dylan was burning things in a large barrel. And Shane was standing shirtless at his front door telling them that they needed to leave. Zach gave Autry the morphine he requested and showed him what he needed help with. Zach had a body in the bed of his truck and asked Autry to help him dispose of it. He saw the body wrapped in a multicolored quilt and assumed it was a man named Jojo who Autry said owed Zach money for drugs. Zach corrected him and said, No, that's Holly Bobo. Did he really think it was a person whose name happened to rhyme with Holly's last name? Right. Isn't that's that Jojo. A weird thing? No, it's Bobo. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know. The ho- just it's just ridiculous. I don't know. I know. Like, is there really a guy named Jojo? I don't know. Mm. Autry said he didn't know her and agreed to help Zach. The two men drove in Zach's truck to an underpass off I-40 in Decatur County. A news station that covered the trial described Autry's next piece of the story. Quote, Autry recounted his conversation with Adams without emotion, saying after realizing they had no tools to bury a body, they should, quote, gut her and then drop the body into the deep part of the river. And then he said turtles would take care of the rest. Listening to... Jason Autry testify, I mean, he really has no emotion, no connection, no nothing, Mm -mm. no remorse. Just he tells the story as if he is telling you what kind of sandwich he had for lunch. Mm -hmm. It's just very disturbing. Yes, it is. So he says they unloaded the body by the river. And then he says that he heard Holly make a noise and he saw her foot move. So he shouts to Zach, she's still alive. And he's like, she probably heard my name. She can implicate me. So Zach grabs a gun from his truck and fired one shot at Holly. Autry recounted how it echoed under the bridge. And he talks about, you know, the birds flying out into the sky because of this loud noise, which I'm sure would happen. Mm -hmm. He just, he gives a lot of detail. And I think that went a long way with the jury. Yeah. Concerned that someone may have heard the gunshot, the men loaded Holly's body back into the truck and left. This does not make sense to me. If you're there to dump her body, why don't you dump her body and leave? Yeah, exactly. It was at this time that Audrey said he sobered up and his high had worn off. He suddenly felt the severity of what he was helping with and decided to get himself away from the situation. However, being a drug addict, he needed another fix later that day. So Audrey meets up with Zach at another local drug dealer's house. He said that Austin was there as well and Zach told him that he was equally guilty since he'd also raped Holly. Audrey said he didn't ask anything else about what happened until he saw Zach two days later at a gas station. When asked what happened to Holly, he said that Zach said, we threw her out. Zach also said that he was worried because his brother Dylan wouldn't stop talking about the murder. He was concerned that Dylan was going to get them caught. Audrey said that Zach had asked him to kill Dylan. He promised him some of his inheritance he'd receive once their grandfather died. Autry said he eventually agreed and lured Dylan to go fishing with him, planning on killing him there. But a witness that knew Dylan showed up and the plan failed. Autry said that Zach eventually told him that the rape took place in a nearby barn and that he, Dylan, and Austin took part in it. He also said that the entire situation spurned from Zach showing up at the Bobo house to meet Clint. He alleged that Zach was supposed to be teaching Clint to cook meth that day but he ran into Holly and she started getting upset so he took her. Mm. And guess how much of this is confirmed by any evidence? Zero. None. Bupkis. Yeah.
0: Listen up! I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey-shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in in a few minutes. Instacart for the win.
1: So to believe Jason Autry, we are first going to have to believe that Clint invited Zach Adams to his house to teach him to cook meth. At 7.40 in the morning. At 7.40 in the morning. I do not believe that Zach Adams was awake at 7.40 in the morning. No, I don't either. And Clint sure as shit was not. No, he was not. If he really was going to learn how to cook meth, would he not get up and drive his ass over to Zach's house? Yeah, you would think so. Why would they do it at the Bobo family home? I don't know how to cook meth, but I don't think it's like using your mama's stockpot. stock pot. Well, and I've heard that it has a very distinct smell. Also, would the police not be able to confirm this information? Where's the phone records between Clint and Zach? Yeah, exactly. I'm assuming there are none. Yeah. I mean, does Clint even know? No. He would know who some of them are because Karen Bobo taught. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of grew up in school together or something. Yeah. But Clint completely denies... This situation occurring. Yeah, exactly. Because otherwise, why would Zach be there? Yeah. I mean, maybe he knew of Holly because Holly's mom taught him. hmm I just... I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Somebody who is that... What is Zach's main goal in life at this time? To get drugs. To get drugs. That's all he cares about. Everything that he does in a day is either the effects of the drugs that he's gotten or to get drugs next. Mm-hmm. That's all he does. Yeah, that's it. I don't think he's a good person. And maybe he did do this. I don't know. I mean, everybody has to start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. It's just not in his history. And what is in his history is doing stupid shit to get drugs. Holly doesn't get him drugs. Uh. Uh-uh. The fact of the matter is, whether or not you believe that it happened or not, there is no proof that it did. There's just none mm there's none. And and you first have to get past that step. If you're gonna believe Jason Autry, which you have to to convict Dylan Adams, right? Mm-hmm. And Zach Adams, you have to believe him. You have to first believe that there's a reason that they are connected to Holly and that that connection is Clint and that Clint is getting ready to go into cooking meth. mm hmm And we have nothing that supports that. Mm-hmm. I just... It's like unfathomable. That's step it's crazy. one. Yeah. Then you have to go to the rest of it, which does not make any fucking sense. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. There's holes all in that. There really is. And just the way he talks about it all, uh, I don't know. I... And you could maybe say that, well, why did Austin die by suicide? Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have done that if he wasn't guilty. Well, no, because what was he staring down the barrel of? Mm-hmm. Either way, yeah, that's something that doesn't, it's not a sure thing, you know? I mean, I think before we started getting into this kind of stuff, as much as we have, like actually researching cases and diving deep into it, I would have said that. I would have said, well, he wouldn't have killed himself if he didn't, if he wasn't guilty. Right. And he may have, that may have been the reason. I'm definitely not saying they didn't do this. I just feel like if they did, that the state would have some evidence of it. Because you've got four people whose main goal in life is to get drugs and get drugs alone. You're telling me they didn't fuck up in any way? Mm -hmm. They didn't drop something? They didn't leave their DNA? Yeah, exactly. They planned this perfectly? Four people and not one of them made a mistake. And they were able to get rid of evidence to the point that the police can't recover it. I don't buy it. I just... You should be able to prove it. Yeah. There should be something. It didn't happen, though. That's the whole point. Not the way the state says it happened, that's for sure. No. Not the way Autry says it happened. And just, I feel like, I don't know, to me, bringing Autry on the stand would have been a blow to the prosecution because he is just... I, I mean, I guess in one way it's believable because he's so, it's so brutal and he's so blunt, you know? hmm But to me, it's just not believable. Like, I feel like he's just not credible at all. You mean because of his lack of remorse or lack of connection to it or? I don't know. There's just something about him. I mean, I just do not trust him. He's, he's like a slithering snake to me. He's a slippery, slimy snake. Yeah, it's just like there's something about him. And I'm just like, I do not believe anything he says. Yeah, well, I mean, that's how you feel. That's how you feel. And I don't blame you for that. I mean, he could very well be saying some things that are true and some things that are not. But how is anybody to know that except with evidence that backs it up? And that's the thing, though. It's like you have to take, if you take somebody's confession or if they say just like with the words from their mouth, if that's all you have to go on, you have to have something else to corroborate that and back it up. You have to. Mm -hmm. You should have to. Yeah. This, you don't. And you have all of the makings of a coerced confession. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what like none of the testimony that any of them gave led to any recovery of evidence either. From what I understand, I mean, we already know that just ginseng hunters found her body, mm-hmm. her remains. Those were not. It's not like Jason Autry's testimony or anybody's, you know, testimony said, "Okay, if you go here and here and here, this is where you'll find her." Right. Like, I don't know when did when did we get the information from the from Jason Autry that said that she was shot in the back of the head? Was that before or after her body was found? Exactly. And if it was before, then that that's a point for, I would say, the prosecution. How else do you know that she was shot in the head? hmm So, Zach Adams was found guilty of felony murder, especially aggravated kidnapping, aggravated rape, and first-degree premeditated murder. He was sentenced to life without parole, plus an additional 50 years. Dylan Adams took a plea deal that meant that he would not admit guilt, but he would, like the plea deal was in the best interest to everyone. So he was charged with especially aggravated kidnapping and facilitation of first-degree murder. Jason Autry pled guilty to especially aggravated kidnapping and solicitation to commit first-degree murder and was sentenced to eight years, which included time served. Eight years. Yes. If you really do think that he did this, you're going to give him eight years? Mm Mm-hmm. Zach got life plus 50 years. Mm Mm-hmm. And Jason got eight years. Yeah. Big difference. I mean... Jason is saying that he wasn't there when it happened. No, he was. He says he Mm -hmm. was there. If if the gunshot was the final blow, then yeah, he says he was there. (sighs) Mm -hmm. So annoying. In September 2020, Autry was released from prison. However, in December of the same year, Autry was sent back to jail on charges of drug and weapons possession. Zach Adams, who now looks completely different than he did upon his arrest, is currently in prison at Williamson County Jail in Franklin, Tennessee. Damn, we could go visit him. Yeah, we could. we would not, but we could. We're not going to. No, no, no. He does look completely different, though. Like when he was arrested, he was rail thin, like gaunt. How tall is Zach Adams? I have no idea. I would guess six foot at least. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking six, two, maybe even just by his like very skinny, scrawny appearance. That makes everybody look taller, I think. <laughs> yeah. But remember Clint's description of the person that took, Holly? 5'10". 5'10". 200 pounds. 200 pounds. So we're talking not, not a skinny, very skinny person. But Jason Autry wasn't, wasn't Jason the one that, oh no, Zach was the one that was supposed to be going up to the house. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Zach's tall as fuck. And he actually said that the person had dark hair and that it was kind of long. Terry Britt had a mullet when this happened. Mm-hmm. And dark hair. And dark hair. And he fit the description Exactly highlights. Remember? Mm -hmm. I was gonna say his was much lighter. Uh Uh-huh. So Terry Britt fits the description almost perfectly. Mm -hmm. Zach does not. I mean, my husband is 5'10", 180 pounds. So you slap 20 more pounds on him. That's a big difference from Zach Adams when he was arrested. If Zach Adams happens to be 5'10", he had to have been 130 pounds. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he was very, very small. He's put on a significant amount of weight compared to what he was. Yeah. Like, but he's still tall. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I just, I don't know. Most people in Decatur County, including the Bobo family, believe that the correct men are in jail for the murder of Holly. However, much speculation continues about the case. Terry Dykus remains steadfast that the wrong men were convicted. When asked why he doesn't think the men are guilty, he said, I don't think they're capable of doing arithmetic, much less this. Some people, <laughs> he ain't wrong. I mean, and I do love the shade that he's throwing, but it's like, it's true. Like, are they capable? Like you said, is can they commit the perfect crime? I don't think so. Exactly. Some people still suspect that Holly's brother, Clint, was involved. However, there is no evidence to back this up. There has never been anything released regarding DNA or concrete evidence that linked Zach, Dylan, Autry, or Austin to Holly's murder. I'm going to look up Terry Britt real quick because didn't he go back to jail? He was in jail when they called him and testify. And he was in jail for kidnapping and rape again, wasn't he? hmm So, I mean, I, I understand the Bobo family thinking that the right people are in jail because. Of course, you know, they're going to believe in what else can they do? You know, Mm -hmm. I don't blame them. And again, I'm not saying that Adams didn't do it. I just think that what they've convicted him on is very, very weak. I honestly don't know how they took that to trial in the first place because there's literally no evidence. In addition to the fact that they actually have evidence that Holly and Zach's phones were not near each other. Like it actually shows them going in different directions from each other. Mm-hmm. But the prosecution said, well, you know what? Zach knew how to spoof his phone so he could he could make it look like he was somewhere he wasn't. Again, are we sure that he could? he's capable of doing something like that? I mean, that may not be super difficult to do, but because I've heard that there's like apps you can get to do that. But at the same time, but do we have evidence of that? Yeah. And also it's like, I feel like at this point, we're just grasping at straws here because if there was a mountain of other evidence, Mm -hmm. that would make sense to me and I could buy it. But that one piece, let's say, and this is all speculation too, we don't have that evidence. Right. Because there is no evidence. Meanwhile, you have a suspect who had a very shaky alibi Mm -hmm. who then calls his wife to come home from work and lie and say that she was with him all morning. Why? They had hits on at least two cars and four tools for mm-hmm. cadaver dogs. And he's got a history of raping, stalking, and attempting to kidnap young blonde hair, blue eyed women. Mm-hmm. Not to mention his very weird, well, here's the dilemma they faced. You know, they want this girl and they want to do stuff to her and then they get her and then they're like, well, oh, now I've got a body. What do I do with it? Mm-hmm. That sounds like you've... You thought that one through. Like you've been in the position before, you know? If I were to give you a recipe that I've tried, and I ran into a situation where I accidentally mixed the wrong stuff together, and it formed a paste that wasn't supposed to form. Yeah. And I said, you know what you're going to have to do? Is you want to make sure you combine your flour and your chocolate and blah, blah, blah all over here. And you do your eggs and your milk over here. And then you Mm -hmm. put all that together. You don't want to mix it together you know, all at once because it's going to make this paste, and you can't undo the paste. Right. That's because it happened to me, not because I'm foreseeing that problem. Exactly. Because if somebody asked me what the same thing that got him talking about what he was talking about with Holly Bobo, I don't have I don't have anything to add to that. I don't have anything where I'd be like, well, this is probably what was going through his head here. He right. was probably thinking, well, <laughs> you know, you're going to want to keep that body, but then if you keep her, you got to feed her. Mm-hmm. That's not going through my mind, like because I don't know. Right. Yeah yeah, where do you get that information? Mm -hmm. Where do you get that? Like, Typically, somebody who's going to be able to formulate a plan or to let somebody else know, hey, here's like, okay, you want to do this? Well, here's the stuff that you're probably not going to think about because you've never done it before. All the stuff that could go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. People ask us that stuff about, you know, doing a podcast. If you could go back and, you know, start over what what mistakes would you avoid and stuff like that? Well, I have a list of stuff because I've done it. I've made the mistake. Mm-hmm. I've not thought something, you know, through or not known enough about, you know, whatever. But if I'd never done a podcast before and somebody asked me, I'd be like, I don't know. Hit record. <laughs> like what? You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you're not thinking through all the stuff that could go wrong in a way that sounds like you've been faced with that before. Mm-hmm. I do wish that they had. I think it's important, obviously, not to develop tunnel vision, but I think that I I wish that they had investigated him further. I mean, by the time he testifies in this trial, he's in jail for a similar crime. Mm -hmm. What does that tell you? Exactly. He at least deserves to be looked at. Well, yeah, because out of everybody, he's the one that fits it the best. Mm -hmm. And there are multiple reasons physically, his MO his previous charges, like all the things. Mm -hmm. And he's certainly not going to stop doing it. He got arrested for it again after that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's never going to stop, right? I don't know. I just, I wish there was a little bit more investigation done. And at the very least, like if you want justice for Holly Bobo and her family, then you do this case right, right? Mm -hmm. You make sure that you have everything that you can get before you take it to trial because what that family does not need is an overturned conviction and people to walk out free and you feel like that they have murdered your daughter. Mm -hmm. You need that shit to stick because you're planting the seed. Yeah. It just, it's just sad. Mm -hmm. Very, very sad. Yeah. And somebody who was so smart, so sweet, had literally was just at the, on the cusp of starting her life and taken away. Mm-hmm. She reminds me of that song. Do you know that song, uh, Simple Life by Carolyn Don Johnson? Yeah. Yeah. And Do she, I she just, song? I don't know, you know, it's just like a small town. She just talks about, you know, go out Saturday night, cut my grass after church on Sunday, watch my yeah. babies grow. Just, want to live the simple life. Spend my days in the sweet sunshine. Mm-hmm. It just she reminds me of that song.
0: Yeah. It's so all sweet. she was
1: trying to do. Mm-hmm. Help people, be kind to people, and her family got a life sentence. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Mm-hmm. But let us know what you think. Again, I mean, we've said it a hundred times. We're not saying Zach Adams didn't do this. And if, if you listen to an hour of this and you get that we're saying Zach Adams didn't do it, then I'm telling you now, that's wrong. But what we are saying is there's some reasonable doubt there, I think. Yeah. And I'd like to see some evidence that fills in that gap. Yeah, if there's something that we're missing, by all means. So let us know, you know, what you think. Yeah, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Okay, you guys, before we leave for today, we've got some shout outs for new patrons. Yay. Hey girl, thanks to Aislin Boyce, Samantha Olson, Terry Wiblin, Madison Schumacher, Alicia Walker, Kate Fellows, Jason Barlow, Sydney Griffiths, Pan Levin, Valerie Harlan, Anna Ratz, Ducky Jassen, Janae Ladig, Vanessa Walker, Kayla Perry, Savannah Cole, Nicole Gus, Emma Del Prince Principi, Larissa Ferreira, Ashley Colbert, Sarah Parks, Kaylee, Ashley Gwynne Robinson, Megan Von Ruden, Ashley L. Tukey? I'll, I'm sorry <laughs> I'm so sorry <laughs> If we pronounce any of these the wrong way and you want us to redo them with a pronunciation guide please let yes. us know Yes Chelsea Rush Miranda Opel, John Emmerich Laura Bordeaux Alexis Hilliard Madison Holthouse James Harrington Marlene Abbott and Brandi McKee Hey girl Thanks We love you guys Yes we love you Thank you We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show.